Welcome to Turn and Talks, your daily Dallas education blog and weekly podcast about education from the perspective of Dallas teachers talking about uh, Dallas ISD, but more broadly about Texas education and national education. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, this week's episode is sponsored by FunCityStuff.com. Great place to go to find out what's going on in Dallas and the surrounding areas over the weekend. They are sponsoring a giveaway this month, just like last month. Next week, we'll do a mailbag episode where we will give away a gift card to the best question. There's still time to submit your questions. Definitely taking a look and reading through a couple of those. They're inspiring some of our blogs in some places, but also having great food for thought over the last month. I love using FunCitySTuff.com every week to make sure that I know the most fun, free, and not free things that are going on uh, in Dallas, Garland, Fort Worth, Carrollton, Plano, anywhere in the surrounding area. And my life has definitely gotten much more exciting since I started visiting their website and seeing what's going on. So check out FunCitySTuff.com. This week's a very special episode. I got my college roommate and best friend in here to talk about what it was like going through the education system and growing up undocumented. I appreciate him chatting with me and being so honest. Did this interview a while back, uh, right after New Year's when I was up visiting him. And I hope you get a lot out of listening to this conversation like I got out of participating in it. Enjoy. I don't ever need to cook tiramisu. When am I going to need to cook tiramisu? We get gold stars when we master the material covered in class. It's just like everyone takes his class to get an A. It's bullshit, and I'm sorry. The school has lost its funding for textbooks, so you've all been given wildlife survival manuals. What kind of a sick school is this? Hmm? Hey, Miss Dumbum ain't your teacher today? I am. Welcome to Turn and Talks, your daily Dallas education blog and weekly podcast by Dallas Teachers. What you'll get here this week, like every week, is a real slice of life from the perspective of two teachers teaching in Dallas, Texas. If you like what you read and what you hear, make sure to follow us at Turn and Talks on Twitter. Send us an email at turnandtalks at gmail.com, both with an S. Also, make sure you follow us on Stitcher, which is great for listening on the go, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. We have a lot of fun making this stuff. Hope you have a lot of fun listening. Enjoy! I'm here with my best friend and college roommate. Person means a lot to me. Uh, we're recording from a car, so it's entirely possible to sound like garbage after, after we're done. Uh, and I just wanted to talk about your experience uh, growing up uh, in, well, you're from California, but uh, growing up you know, in a predominantly white uh, educational environment, uh, despite being a little bit different. Yeah, so... Um once I got to, to Bellarmine, um, it, was, it was actually kind of interesting because um, in, like, you know, in kindergarten and first grade, uh, and when I was younger in general, just, like, through elementary school, um, there were a lot of other, like, Mexican kids around. Like, it was, you know, like, I would say actually a majority of the people in the mm-hmm. public school system I was in were Mexican. But as soon as I got to high school... Um, where uh, education is, you know, private and you have to pay for it and you also have to, you know, take an entrance exam to get in. Um, There was a huge drop-off of other Mexican, you know, kids in general. Um, And um, at Bellarmine, like, I'm not really sure I ever felt... um, 
I don't think I ever felt, you know, uh, like a subject of racism or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very clear that um, that there weren't many of us around, and uh, let, let me ask you a, a, another question here. So, when did you first, I guess, start to feel like you were different? When did that first start to you realize you weren't like all the other kids? Was it when you got to high school, or was it you know a little bit before that? And why? Yeah, I mean, it was like high, high school uh, definitely did a good job of kind of um, kind of making me realize that I was like, kind of special. Um, there weren't basically I, I, every every time I've gone gotten to like a higher level of education. It seems that there's less, you know, other Latino people around. Um, And the people that I do meet, like, that are Latino, a lot of them are, like, second or third generation, you know, Latino folk Mm -hmm. that have been here, that have have had families that have been here for a long time. Right. Um, Or, you know, maybe not a long time, but longer than, you know, my family. Like, I, I got here and I was speaking Spanish. You know what I mean? Right. So I, um... There are very few, almost none, um, other, like, students like that where, where you know, I know that they go um, home and speak, like, Spanish with their parents. Like, there's, it's basically unheard of, um, especially, like, in law school. Um, once I got there, there's, like, pretty much everybody. Um, they had fluently English-speaking parents, and that was their primary language in the house. Exactly, yeah. Um I mean, there are, of course, exceptions, and I think, you know, at Santa Clara, um, it's a place where I think uh, it's more open to, you know, uh, having, like, the whole Latino community, and there are, I think, a few, I think in my class, actually, at Santa Clara, there was a girl who uh, who was on the news, actually, because she, she wasn't in my class, I think she's a few years younger than me, she, I can't remember her name, but she went to, like, uh, to the border and did this protest. She was she's an illegal immigrant, and she went to the border and uh, did like this protest where, um, where she kind of pointed out how uh, I forgot what she was doing. I think she was getting kicked out or something. Uh, you might want to cut this out. I forget. I totally forget what, well, what she was I'm doing on that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> she was she was. I forgot what she was doing, but I think she, I think like she was she got recognized by like Barack and like. He, like, didn't kick her out of the country. Um, but, um... But you remember that other... Similar to that, you remember that kid? It was, a, it was a guy, and he was undocumented. And he was, like, trying to go through an airport or something and got, like, super attacked and sent back to Mexico. After yeah. Being, like, yeah, I'm undocumented. Oh, he came out on national uh, coming out day for being an undocumented immigrant, and they just sent him back to Mexico. Wow. Well, first of all, I didn't know there was a day like that. Um, I might have signed up for a day like that if I had known. Um, <laughs> Maybe better you didn't. No, yeah, it's probably better that yeah. I didn't. That's that's like another thing I don't even know if I should mention, but yeah, there you the, definitely should. Okay, well, like being an illegal immigrant, like especially there's like it's it's such a terrible term actually just to say like yeah. illegal immigrant. Well, you, earlier you said instead of I was asking you when you felt different, you were like I started to notice I was special, right? I think that's a better way to think about it and talk about it, right? That it's not a bad thing to, you know, come from a different place, you know, or have a different background. Uh, it's a it's a special thing that should be celebrated instead of hidden. But hey, that's 
to me being yeah. on my high horse right now. Yeah, I mean, well, what sucks about it, um, what really sucks about it is that that's, like, kind of the way that society in America and the way that the government is kind of structured basically goes completely against that. It, it really, like, when I was a kid, I remember, like, I never, it took me a while, a while to realize that I was, like, undocumented. Yeah. Because as a little kid, like, you don't know what that means, right? You just, yeah. You're not trying to do anything. You're just being a kid. Yeah, my parents would just tell me not to talk to the police. You know, like, wow. it was... And, like, I wouldn't know why. And, like, there was this term that's called... In, um, I guess the way that my parents would explain it to me as a little kid is, like, they would say that everybody has papeles, mm-hmm. which are which means... Translates to paper. Yeah. Papers. And it's a reference to, like, immigration papers. Right. Or, like, the ability to be in the country legally. Um... And they, were, they just told me, like, no tienes papeles, pero no digas. Like, don't tell anybody that you don't have papers. Mm-hmm. You just don't have them. And at the time, I thought, okay, I guess, like, everybody, everybody, I mean, You're some like, people. are around here somewhere. They don't yeah. know where they are. Yeah. And, like, you but... know, it, I never, it took me so long to, like, actually realize that, wait, I'm undocumented. I think what, when I actually realized it was when I was in high school. And I was, uh, I wanted to get, I wanted to drive. I wanted to get a license. Like, because everybody was driving to school, like, everybody, you know, was picking up their girls and stuff, and I was sitting there with, with my, uh, hand in my hands. Just, <laughs> speak freely. Not able to, 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 to go anywhere or do anything. So, you know, as soon as, like, when I was 15 and a half, I, when I was a kid, I was always on top of everything. Like, I was just on the ball, like, did all my homework. I was a super goody two-shoes kind of guy, um, doing all my stuff. Um, maybe it's, I think I definitely got, had that work ethic from my parents, but anyway, um, I started trying to get a driver's license and they wanted, the DMV wanted like certain documents from me, like, you know, my birth certificate, my social security number, etc. So, you know, I start figuring out exactly what I need because basically my plan was to get everything lined up, pay for everything, do it all. And then show it to my parents and be like, hey, I'm doing this. That way they couldn't, like, tell me, no, you can't. Right. You know what I mean? Like, um, anyway, I got to the point where I needed this documentation, so I asked my dad for it, and he was like, you don't have that. And I was just like, well, what do you mean? Like, I need, like, like I have, I must have a birth certificate. Yeah, but it's, and, you know, it's from Mexico. And if you're from Mexico, you can't drive. Like, it's just, you, you need a... You need to be a you. need to prove that you're a U.S. citizen. Um, and what, what makes what makes matters worse is that I had a social security number for some reason. Mm-hmm. Because I guess around when I, around the time I was born, my dad like went. I have no idea what he did. I've, I've, I've studied immigration law. I've like done well, extensive research. You, you've passed the bar. You're done with law school. You're basically. I haven't, I haven't passed the bar yet. Actually, I need well then. That's in February, tell, every, tell everybody else you passed it. I've been <laughs> telling everybody you passed it. So. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've still finished law school. Yeah, well, I finished law school and I've been working for, like, six months now. Like, it's... Uh, the, the bar is just kind of something I have to do to get... Right. To get some... Pa- to get some more papers to kind of prove myself that I'm a person or whatever. Um, but uh, anyway, I've done, like, extensive... I've tried to figure out how the hell I ended up with the social, social security number that like credit companies accept and stuff like that and for whatever reason there's like I can't find how what he did how he got my social security number so I've, I've always been in like this weird bubble where I have like certain information and I don't have other information but uh anyway getting back to to the point um yeah. 
in, in high school when I, when I wanted to get my driver's license, I realized that I'm an undocumented immigrant and nobody else is an undocumented immigrant. Um, especially in high school, like I was literally the only one that I know of. I'd be, I'm, I don't know if I would be surprised. I think I might be surprised actually if there was another one in my high school class. Um, but it, it's kind of something, it, it's difficult to deal with because in high school, like I couldn't just, I mean, I told my, I ended up telling my closest friends what the deal was, but, um, you know, once I figured it out for myself, but for the most part, I just couldn't tell anybody what the deal was. And if, and if, you know, I needed to, somebody asked me about a driver's license, I just had to try to change the topic of conversation or, right. just, you know, like I couldn't. It, it was always difficult for me to lie and just be like, oh, yeah. Well, like, I mean, it, it sucks that you had to lie. I mean, I, and I don't want to put, like, any kind of words in your mouth or anything, but, I mean, we've known each other long enough where, um, you know, I feel comfortable, you know, talking with you about it, and we've certainly talked about it before. Um, but that having to hide yourself from people around you, like, would you say that's affected you uh, and how? It definitely has. Like, it, I think it's, I think it's made me like just having to do that my entire life. I think has made me a much more reserved person. Like, I, I always. Well, one of the things that people say about me is that I'm quiet, and that I'm like a thinker kind of dude. Yeah. And because the thing is, like, I never want to say anything that, like, as I was growing up, especially after I figured out that I was an undocumented immigrant, I want, I never wanted to let anybody know. So whenever and literally anything you say might end up being a little thing that could lead down the path to to uncover the truth of like my identity that I'm an undocumented immigrant so as I was growing up I just got used to not talking because it was the easiest way to avoid having to ex- explain away why I wasn't the same as everybody else yeah um, so let me let me take you back uh, and this is just sort of a question because it's sort of this is one of those things that's hot in the educational streets particularly in Dallas but in terms of when you were first learning how to speak English, right? Yeah. What were... Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what were your challenges in, in learning the language and mastering it? I mean, now you're a certified wordsmith, but how, how did you get to that point from, you know, being an undocumented baby, you know, around mostly Spanish speakers? You know, how did you do that? So... Um, I was actually really lucky to have, um, my, my parents' employers were always, like, super, super nice to us, and they, they basically saw that my parents were, like, a struggling immigrant family, and, uh, they made, they made a point to, like, impress upon my parents the importance of education and the, on how, in the United States, you can use education as a way to, you know, traverse the social ladder, um, and... Because your parents, before they came over, you know, what was their education that they got in Mexico? They didn't really have any. My my mom stopped right at, right before she went to high school. I think I think my dad went through high school, um, but I mean, my my dad also took like two years off of school where he just like went and worked the fields for two years because he was like, screw this, I want to make money to buy the tortillas. Yeah. And like, so I don't I don't really put a lot of trust into the. Mexican education system, especially, like, um, speaking with my parents in Spanish, like, I ended up having to go study Spanish to, like, learn how to spell properly and, like, learn Spanish grammar because my parents 
they were like just don't know it. Like, they, yeah, they, yeah they, they they can talk it, but they were they never learned like form, formal Spanish grammar and language. They just learned you know shitty Mexican and <laughs> public education. Well, certainly the same so. can be said of you know a lot of students that I've taught and their mastery of English. Right, I think generally speaking. You know, the the language instruction for the vast majority of students is just poor. Yeah, right? but yeah. Uh, so I, I was saying earlier. Um, well, that sucks, by the way. But um, makes me really feel fortunate that I went to Bellman because they really made sure you knew how to write an essay there. Um, but anyway, um, going back to uh, what was I? You learning English? Yeah, me learning English. Um, I um. I basically had this moment. So remember, I mentioned that um, there were when in elementary school there were a lot other, a lot of other Mexican kids around. Um, yeah. Basically, because I was in the public system on the poor side of town. Um, anyway, in in kindergarten and in first grade, I think it was first grade. It might have been kindergarten where I used to go to school and just speak Spanish because there were other kids that could speak in Spanish with me. Yeah. Um, and my parents like found out that I was speaking in Spanish at school and they basically told me that in, and they told my teachers too that if if they basically did not allow me to speak Spanish anymore at school and it like forced me to have to talk to everybody in English and you know my teachers were in on it so they they made a or actually now that I think about it in retrospect my teachers probably weren't in on it but being a gullible like first grader or whatever my parents probably told me that my teachers were in on it so I just talked in English all the time um, but that's basically what it took. It took my parents saying, look, you need to learn English because there's no other way that you're going to make it if you don't learn English. And I think, like, in a lot of other families, especially immigrant families, like, they just don't understand how important that is. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, that rule in, like, first grade, like, really changed my life because I was able to pick up English very early on. Um, and a lot of my other classmates, like, just didn't and it led to them having you know poor grades and they just didn't have the opportunities that I had because they weren't able to speak the language yeah. well and I've I've seen this at a at, on a from another perspective right as a as a teacher um, I mean there I, I always talk about this one class where you know seven of my there was, there was 30 plus kids the number fluctuated because kids go in and out and I didn't have enough desks and I, uh, seven of those kids spoke barely any English, and so for the most part, they just spoke Spanish. And when they couldn't understand something, the, the kids that were, like you talk about, second generation, third generation, but still spoke Spanish, wouldn't help the mm. kids that were you know, new, yeah. right? the ones that were still trying to learn English. So they wouldn't help, they wouldn't translate for me. So, you know, I had a choice between either just letting them not understand things and, and cheat yeah. off of, you know, the kid that's next to them and then pass the answers around or to try to talk to them in in Spanish, right? And so I, I would speak Spanish the best as I could to get them to understand. And for the most part, they did. But, you know, I'm sort of, I was sort of complicit in that, you know, denying the sort of immersion experience that, yeah. you know, you sort of had. But, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different. You were in first grade. They are... Right, they're older in high school yeah. um, so maybe it's more important that I did that uh, but that's that's one of those things and I've also you know I'm friends with some coaches that have teams with both black and Latinos on it I mean the school where uh, that, that I'm talking about is seven 
70% roughly uh, Latino and, and 29% black. And, you know, the teams, you know, it's not all Latinos, right? So the girls on this team I'm talking about in particular would speak to each other in Spanish in the huddles and stuff. And the coach had coaches had to make a point to say, look, no, you can't do that because there's half of yeah. the team that doesn't understand Spanish and that's right. going to ruin, like, you know, the, the, right. the teamwork and stuff and, and, and make everybody feel uncomfortable. Um, I mean, you know, but, you know, how, what do you say to the, the kids on the team that also don't speak any English, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a problematic situation, for sure. I, I guess my next question is about um, the, the college process then. Uh, when you got into Harvard... College process sucks, man. Uh, well, let, let's, yeah, let's talk about before you apply, but let's talk about the process then. Yeah, so the, so the reason the college process sucked is because a lot of... There's... Nobody really has a stance on undocumented immigrants. They don't... Nobody has a, a section on their website where if you're not an undocumented immigrant, you can be like, oh, okay, I want to go here as an undocumented immigrant. Basically, what you have to do is you have to find out which schools would e- will even allow you to be there without having some, like, some sort of visa. Most schools require that you have, like, a visa of some sort yeah. to be able to show them um, if, you, if you can't prove that you're a United States citizen. Um, so that immediately knocks out the ability to go to a lot of schools. And what sucks is that a lot of those schools are schools that, like, normal people get into. Like, school, like, Santa Clara, like, shit like that. Like, Santa Clara probably would have accepted me, I'm guessing. I think they have a reputation for accepting undocumented immigrants. But even Santa Clara isn't, like, an easy school to get into. Like, all the schools were, like, where you didn't have to, where, I don't want to say, like, bad schools, but just schools where that were not as selective and didn't have... Exactly. Know, schools that I think... rigorous requirements for it. Exactly. Schools where all of my, you know, where most people are, are end up, ended up going to, like the UC system type schools, like those, like those were just immediately not on the plate for me. Like I could not even apply to those schools because I, I couldn't prove that I was a United States citizen and I couldn't show that I had a visa. So without either of those two things, they just simply didn't allow my application. So what I ended up having to do is apply, and I think that might have been like a a federal government state school type thing. So what I ended up doing is I ended up applying to mostly private colleges because the, the state colleges just wouldn't accept me. Um, anyway, um, yeah, state schools just pretty much across the board would not accept me. I think UN... I, I also did a lot of research on this topic, actually, in, in law school. Um, I think UNLV is one of, the, one of the few state schools where there's like where you can get in as an undocumented immigrant but like when you get into these schools like I was saying earlier there's not a place on the website where you can go say oh I'm an undocumented immigrant what's the what's the process for me basically what you have to do is you have to read between the lines you have to figure out like what the requirements are and some certain schools like won't have a random requirement like for example that you have to show a visa Um, other schools like for what, what I'd uh, what I had to do on pretty much all of my college applications is disclose that I'm an undocumented undocumented immigrant. Um, there's like I think the the standard college form even has like a extra page or something where you can just talk about a special situation or something that applies to you. So um, I had to tell everybody everything. Um, there were a lot of schools like uh, I, I remember I was looking at Rice University and I really had really wanted to go there and they. And I mean, it was a long time ago, but I, 
I'm pretty sure I got an immediate, like, they actually let me apply. I looked through all of their stuff and figured out, okay, well, they're not requiring me to, you know, show that I'm a citizen, so I can probably, I can probably get in. And I got, like, an immediate rejection from them because, because I was an undocumented immigrant. And that sucked because, like, I knew, like, some of my friends I knew were going there, and, I, and one of the reasons I wanted to go there was because basically all my nerdy computer science friends were also, you know, were thinking about doing that. Right. Um, and basically that, that was another just like not an, op, not an option for me mm-hmm. um, so basically I was in a situation where I was applying to like Harvard Princeton and Yale um, because those are the kind of schools that don't give a fuck if you're an undocumented immigrant you know right. like they they'll allow they'll, they'll go okay with it um, and to a certain extent I think they might even, they might even you know want to, to educate undocumented immigrants if they you know have the academic credentials or whatever but Anyway, yeah, like, it, it was a... I had always, you know, growing up, I would always tried really hard in school, and going to a great college was something that I had wanted to do my entire life. But nobody can, like, expect to get into schools like Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just applying to schools and getting rejected simply because I couldn't show paperwork that says I was born on this side of the line, some imaginary, you know, fucking boundary... Um, that nobody knows, you know what I mean? It's just really frustrating that it's like, oh, I happen to be born, you know, X miles in that direction, which means I'm not a fucking person on this side of the line. Um, it, it was very frustrating for me, as, the whole entire college process, knowing that there were certain places that I I just couldn't go. And if it wasn't for the fact that I tried so hard and, you know, academically and made that like a huge part of my life... I probably wouldn't be here talking to you right now. Like, I well, we probably would have not gone to college. Met. Yeah, we never would have met. I probably wouldn't have gone to college. Um, or if I had, I, I would have had to go to, like... See, that's the thing. I, I was so lucky to get into Harvard because Harvard was able to pay for me to go there. Right. I'm not sure my parents could have afforded for me to go to college anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the schools that, that would have accepted me were expensive schools. And I don't think my parents could have afforded that. Like... I mean, I guess I would have ended up with a... Well, that's the thing. I, I couldn't incur debt because the right. government won't loan to me. Yeah. Of, yeah. So, I mean, on the bright side of things, I have very, very low debt compared to all of my peers. Yeah. Like, but, you know, it fucking sucked to, to like, basically be degraded when I, throughout the entire college process. Um, despite being, like, at the top of my class and, you know, ended, ending up going to Harvard, like, all that stuff. Um, they're like, yeah, but you're still not an American. Yeah, but you're not an American, so we're not even going to look at this application. Yeah. It's really, it, it sucks, man. After college, then, you've, you've now graduated. What, what was it like for you being like, all right, well, I'm at the end of college, you know, I'm still undocumented, I'm getting my diploma. I had the same exact problem yeah. getting into law school. Like, it was just another, like... Yet again, I have to find a school that's going to let me in, even though I'm undocumented. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I was literally in the exact same situation where I got to apply to, like, Harvard, Yale, you know, the really top fucking law schools that I basically knew I wasn't going to get into. Um, I mean, I guess I didn't know that. Um, uh, but, you know, I knew it was going to be super difficult. Um, and... It was just, you know, the same recurring problem where there is no, like, structured, this is how we handle the undocumented immigrants. It's just everybody pretends like there's, like, we don't exist. 
and luckily I've I've been able to like work my way through everybody's bullshit and basically get myself to where I am today but I've had to I've had to be proactive every single step of the way I've had to like you know just there are so many things that from my perspective it seems that other like citizens take for granted because just by virtue of the fact that they're citizens and it's the kind of thing that nobody thinks about on a daily basis like everybody that is on this freeway with us never has to think for, well first of all I might get deported next month like they never have to think about that shit it sucks to think about that um, but they, what, what would you do if you had to go live in Mexico? I'd come right the fuck back here. Like, <laughs> is what I would do. Like, it's it's not that hard to cross the border. Um, I would try to do it legally, though. I mean, I would try to get a job, like, my job to to give me a visa or uh, change employers. Like, I'm sure now that I've proven myself, um, at least to a certain extent, I think it, I can find an employer <laughs> that's willing to, to give me a visa. And I definitely fall within the category of... Uh, uh, professional special needed skills or whatever uh-huh. um, as an intellectual property lawyer but I mean regardless um, it just yeah, I mean it really I mean really think about that like just the things that you get to do because you're a citizen like drive you know I mean there are some I think there's some federal uh, regulations in place now that allow undocumented immigrants to get driver's licenses mm-hmm. um, and for a while you could just get them because there wasn't like a federal watch system on what the states were doing a lot of states didn't they were, you know they were accepting fake social security numbers and stuff as proof of citizenship right um, so there were a lot of undocumented people driving but but still just like basic things like that like being a part of the system and being able to take out a loan to go to college like shit like that I just was never even able to think about and there was just absolutely no way I was going to get a hold of that kind of help. Um, or even, you know, I mean, and you know what sucks? Like, some people, like, might think, oh, well, at least you don't have to pay taxes, right? Or shit like that. Yeah. But no, like, they, uh, the government gives people, as undocumented immigrants, tax identification numbers so that you can pay your taxes even though you're not receiving any of the benefits of citizenship. It's really right. shitty. Um, but... Like, one of the things, like, that I would tell, like, one of the things about immigration law that, you know, that you want to do, like, is you want to, you want to pay your taxes, basically. Right. If, you, if you've been in the country and you haven't been paying your taxes, you're going to have to pay them. So, if you ever end up being a citizen, and if you don't, you'll just get sent to jail and, or deported. I'm not really sure what the, what the deal is, but, because I, you know, I paid my taxes. Yeah. But, uh. It makes you feel like you're getting completely taken advantage of, you know, and because that's what's happening, and it's like there's nothing we can do about it. Wow. Sucks, but thanks for stopping by. Well, yeah, I thanks, thanks for. for uh, I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, I need you to do two things: one, tell us; and two, follow us so you never miss out. You can find us on Stitcher which again is a great way to listen to things on the go. I use it to listen to all of my podcasts that I like to listen to, SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. Want to be on the show? You have a topic for us to talk about? Make sure you reach out to us on Twitter at TurnInTalks with an S or by email. Uh, our email is TurnInTalks at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and reading. See you next week.
Come, give me fire, give me reason, take me higher.